so this morning, uh, as we continue, our, our text comes from Ephesians uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 14 to 16. And if you are able, will you stand as we read uh, God's word together? The word of the Lord says this, We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown uh, about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped. As each part is working properly, it promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. You may be seated. <clears throat> now I want to begin with confessing a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. I, and my pet peeve is this, and maybe you can resonate with this as well. It's when uh, somebody that you talk to, uh, they're about to say something absurdly offensive. But before they say whatever that offensive statement is, they begin the same statement with, no offense. Right? They say things like, no offense, but insert something highly offensive. And so anytime you have a conversation with someone and someone starts with, no offense, know that whatever that is next coming out of their mouth is probably going to be pretty offensive. Or, hey, I don't mean to be rude, but know that the next thing they might say will be extremely rude. Hey, I'm not trying to sound mean, but, and know that right after that, it will probably be mean. Uh, And this one gets me every time, and I hear this myself, and I've heard it many times. Hey, I don't mean to sound racist, but most likely what is next is going to sound a little bit racist, right? Uh, And so, I don't know about you, but to me, that seems like... Uh, a little bit of a pet peeve, because the point is this, whether we know it or not, the words that we speak, the words that come out of our mouth has impact on the other. And, And whether we believe it or not, know it or not, want to accept it or not, the words that we speak have power. Words carry meaning. And we know this because when people say things that are offensive or mean or, or whatever it is, there, there comes a conjuring up of a feeling, whether it's offense or whether it's even encouragement. And, and I love what uh, one priest says, his name is Richard Rohr. He said, transformation in our lives happen with great love or with great suffering. And we can apply that with words, can't we? We can think of a, of a time where we've experienced, with words, great love. We've experienced, with words, great suffering. And what this Anglican priest was saying, or this Franciscan priest is saying, is that even with words of great love and great suffering, it can have impact on us. It can transform us, whether for good or for bad. Words can, can create memories of hope and joy and of encouragement. At the same time, words can create memories of trauma and hurt and pain and anguish and sadness. And we know this. Remember the old saying, and maybe I'm dating myself, but sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will, what? Never hurt me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's something that I've been taught when I was growing up. 
And, and, and the sad part of that lesson is, slowly as I grow older, I've realized how untrue that is. Yes, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will actually hurt me. And, and, and oftentimes, words can actually hurt more and leave lasting scars and more pain than even sticks and stones. Words are important. Words have impact. Words have power, and we've felt that. We've experienced that as someone who speaks words and someone who has received words. Now, there's another element of words that is important for us to talk about, and, and, it's the, and it's from the text that we read this morning. Not only do words have, have power to carry encouragement in the opposite spectrum of that sadness, but words can be very transformative. And it can be so transformative that when you hear something from somebody, your whole lives can literally change. Your whole attitude can change. The whole perspective about life, about the world, about yourself can absolutely change. And what I'm talking about and what Paul is talking about here is not just words of encouragement, not just words of pain, but it's words of truth. Paul, throughout the scriptures, even Jesus, throughout the gospel, says that when you love somebody, you will speak words of truth to them. Not just encouragement, because that's good. Not just accountability, even though that's good. But words of truth. And though all the words of truth can be all the above, it's important to realize that the Bible, the Spirit, God calls us that as members of a community, that it is vital and it's important for us to speak words of truth to one another. And, and not only words of truth, but words of truth in love. And, and the result of speaking truth, not just truth, but in love, is maturity. Not just maturity for, for myself, not just maturity for the person I speak truth to, but maturity in the community. And, and this is where there is a problem. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, but speak the truth in love. And by that, we will grow up in every way into the head, who is Christ. And now, the problem is, oftentimes, we have a problem speaking the truth and to other people, especially if it's a challenging or a difficult truth. And, and this is for a lot of people. I feel like it can go either way. We have a hard time speaking the truth in love because it's just downright difficult. You can call it being avoidance. You can call it being conflict-averse. Uh, you don't want to hurt the other person's feelings then what you realize is that the very truth that you should be speaking to the other, uh, because you don't do it, it doesn't actually help the situation. It actually help, makes the situation worse. And, and maybe you've experienced this as someone who might be conflict-averse or someone that uh, you know, doesn't like arguing or conflict, and not to say that speaking the truth always results, in, results into that, but oftentimes speaking the truth is difficult because it's just hard. We care a lot about what the other person thinks of us. We don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. And the reality is that sometimes that makes it worse. I remember when I was in high school, I was having lunch with somebody, and it's a dear friend that I would hang out with a lot, and someone that I would have lunch with frequently. And for some reason, I'll never forget this experience where I was eating 
food and, and from the lunchroom, there was soup involved. And, and the way that I grew up, and, and I think this is very typical around especially Asian cultures, especially the Korean culture, when you eat food, it's very important that when you eat that you show that it's delicious. It's actually a compliment to the person who cooked it. And, and so uh, what that looks like and what it sounds like is it's very loud. Okay, so when you eat, you're making noise. When you drink the soup, you're slurping. It's almost everything that the Western idea of eating is the opposite of that. And so when I'm eating with my friends, at this point in my life, I've learned better behavior. But at this point in my life, I was eating food really loud. And I was drinking soup really loud. And finally, my friend, it's almost as if he was angry. He kind of puts his stuff down and says, Prentice, can you stop eating like that? And I thought that was so random and so out of the blue. And I was like, what are you talking about? Why are you so upset? And he would name for all these years. It seems like you eat so loud and you drink soup so loud. And there's something about this resentment that I felt. And I know that's a silly example, but oftentimes our lives, we, we do that. We have such a hard time, for whatever reason, disclosing what is true for you that as a result you start building resentment. And you start maybe becoming avoidant of that person or that relationship becomes really hard. Now for many of us, and this is where I resonate, some people might have a hard time speaking truth into someone's life. But the opposite is also true. Some of us, and this is where I stand, we may not have a problem at all. For some of us, we feel like speaking the truth is actually easy. In fact, we have this strange boastfulness to it, and we disguise it as a quality to be admired. Now, oftentimes, and I, and I sound redundant, I, I talk about the Enneagram. I don't worship the Enneagram. Enneagram isn't the end-all, be-all. But for me, it's helpful because it gives language and vocabulary to how I feel. And so for those of you that are unfamiliar, to make a long story short, it's, it's essentially this personality thing, and there's different numbers that you can identify with. It's not a very big deal, but uh, I oftentimes identify as being an eight. And again, I love Richard Ward. He has a book on the Enneagram, and he says this. He says, if you want to figure out what number, one through nine, what Enneagram number you are, don't take this personality quiz and then find out what your result is. Read every single one of them, and the number that you might be is the one that you are most disgusted by. The one uh, that you are even embarrassed by or, or one that you might even feel a little bit of shame because deep down inside, you don't want to tell anybody, but you're like, oh, geez, that's, that's me. And now, furthermore, he says, except for the Enneagram 8s, they're actually proud of the number that they are. They're actually boastful. Again, they're prideful of the very fact that they're known as the one who speaks truth into people's lives, whether it's easy or whether it's difficult. Then Enneagram number eight always tells the truth, always stands up for injustice. And by the way, the eights are also considered and called by title the challenger. 
And here's what the Enneagram Institute says about the eights. The eights become highly combative. Yes. And intimidating to get their way. They're confrontational. They're, I love this one, belligerent. Creating adversarial, uh, adversarial relationships. Everything uh, is a test of wills. And they will not back down. And now, there you go. That's something that I oftentimes identify with. Now, but the reality is that, that, that is this, that speaking the truth in love is challenging for, for both reasons. One, speaking the truth in love is difficult because it's uncomfortable for us. We want to avoid conflict. We don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. We want to be liked. We want to be appreciated. We don't want to be pushed out. But also, on the other side, it's challenging because we don't do it well. We just speak what's on our mind, and oftentimes it's rude, and oftentimes it's mean. And the reality is, you might be speaking whatever is true, but if you don't do it in a way that is in love, wrapped in love, the person that's supposed to hear it, they don't hear it the way you're supposed to say it, and nothing is accomplished. And here lies our problem. Now, Paul knows this very well, this tension. In Ephesians chapter 4, when we talk about Ephesians, it's important for us to know the context. Ephesus was a major hub. And it's a, in, in Ephesus, Paul planted a church. And years later, he's hearing back that the church is having issues. They're having division. They're having conflict. They're having argument. And Paul is realizing that the reason why the church that he planted just 10 years ago is having this issue is because people are debating and arguing amongst each other around theology, around worldviews, around politics, around philosophies. And even in the church, there is division because of all these things. Now, Ephesus was a major hub in the ancient Near East. It was a major port where people from all over the world with all, over, with all different beliefs would come in and out. And you can imagine, though diversity is beautiful, uh, the, the diversity in beliefs and philosophy and politics and worldviews, uh, as they become intermingled, you can imagine what kind of mess that may have been. We are kind of experiencing this ourselves in our lives right now. And not only is there a mixture of beliefs and worldviews, is there's a huge famous shrine of this goddess of Artemis, the goddess of fertility, the goddess of beauty. And people from all over the world came to pay homage, to bow down, and to worship this cult of God. And so not only is there a battle of politics and worldviews and philosophies, but even of religion. And even the Christians, the 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 Christians that were converted under, under Paul's teaching after he left, Paul's got, Paul got word of even particular Christians falling away, ignoring the truth of what they first fell in love with, of the beauty and love of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They abandoned that truth to now worship Artemis or to worship the other world views and other religions and other cult of gods. And Paul is saying, even in the midst of that, as people are straying away, if you are a Christian, Paul is writing specifically to Christians, he's saying, do not be afraid to speak the truth. Yes, you will hear lies. 
Yes, you will see uh, false religions and cultic gods and different worldviews that are antithetical to the gospel. And Paul is saying it is important, even in the midst of that, to speak the truth to those around you. But the kicker is this. Speak the truth in love. In love. Paul understood that, you know what, you oftentimes will be surrounded by people you disagree with. You will be surrounded by people that will disagree with you. That was the story of the Christians in Ephesus. When there's so many different worldviews and diversity, which is also beautiful, but it's messy. With all of those uh, worship of cults of gods and worldviews and politics, there, he's saying Christians, because of all of that, there will be people that don't see the way that you do. There will be people that push back on your beliefs. There will be people that think you're... you're unintellectual or just far-fetched for believing the things you believe, even in the midst of that, midst of it, yes, speak truth, but speak truth in love. It's almost like as if Paul was foretelling the future because, again, in this age, I see this. And oftentimes, us Christians, and I fall to this as well, we do two things. We are not, we're able to speak the truth, but oftentimes not in love. I have family members that say, you know what, I, I love Jesus. I believe Jesus. But it's, but it's really impossible for me to want to go to church. And so for those of you that are new to church, whether you know, it's at Bethany or if another church, thank you for taking a risk. Because the reality is sometimes Christians, in our effort to speak the truth, we have not always done that well. In fact, we've been hurtful. In fact, we've caused a lot of pain and trauma in people's lives. And on behalf of the church, I'm so deeply sorry if you've experienced that. And so it's so important when Paul says not only speak the truth, but speak the truth in love, that even when we are surrounded by people who disagree with us, especially in this, in this time, the question is how are we supposed to respond to that? What does it look like to respond to that, particularly in love? But the, all, but the other side is also true. What about the injustices that we see? Are we speaking up against that? What about the systemic issues that we see, whether it's racism, whether it's sexism, whether it's misogyny, whether it's, you know, you name it. When you see these issues out in our world, especially if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, are you speaking out against that? Are you pointing people to the reality and the beauty of Jesus? When you see people being oppressed and being marginalized and being outcasted out of society, do you step in and say, that is not the way of Christ? Or are we silent? Because I love this word of truth. In the, in the original, in the Greek language, when, when Paul says, speak truth to one another, speak truth in love. Truth is his word, uh, aletheia. It's his Greek word, aletheia. And in this Greek word, aletheia, it actually points to something that's beautiful as well. In the, in the Greek philosophy, what they believed is that whatever is true is beauty. 
whatever is true is beautiful, and it creates beauty, and it's by beauty. And so the question is this. When you speak truth to somebody, whether it's against injustices, whether it's expressing your faith, whether it's denouncing something that is wrong or evil, which all of these we should be doing as people of God. But the next question is, not only are you doing it in love, but when you are doing it, are you pointing to something that is more beautiful or more downright ugly? Is what you do, is what you say, is how you live pointing to the resurrected Jesus. In other words, is it pointing to, pointing to something that is more beautiful? And that's a hard question for me to answer oftentimes because that makes me confront my, myself and my own issues. And then I love that it says, in love. In love. Are you speaking the truth in love? It's this Greek word, agape. Unconditional love. In other words, no matter what kind of truth you say, no matter what kind of truth you speak, are you willing to love that person unconditionally? no matter how they respond to your truth-telling. Because, yes, we may speak the truth, but perhaps they still walk away, not believing, not agreeing, not seeing it the way that you see it. Are you, are you still willing to love them, no matter what, unconditionally? I think that's an important question for us to ask ourselves. And my hope is, the answer is yes. When Paul says, speak the truth in love, that's a message for all of us. That's an important message for all of us today. Will you speak the truth in love? Again, whether it's against injustices, whether it's against uh, systemic issues, whether it's against someone that you're in a relationship with that have had toxic behavior or destructive behavior, are you willing to speak truth? And is that truth wrapped in unconditional love? My, My hope is that the answer, again, is yes. And as I invite the worship team back up, I want us all to take an inventory of our lives, of the people that we are in relationship with. What truth do you need to speak? Do you need courage to speak the truth into somebody else's life? Will you do it in love, in unconditional love? Will you do it in a way that points to beauty, that points to Jesus and his sacrifice, his humility, and his love for others? May our actions and our words reflect that of Christ. So let's just take a moment right now. Let's let's all just close our eyes and just think of people. And, And maybe... And maybe it's our own selves. Maybe there's some realities that we need to name, that we need to confess in our own selves. Will you receive God's forgiveness? 
Will you receive God's love, his unconditional love? In this season of so much division, the last words of this sermon series is this, just love one another. Yes, speak the truth that points people to Jesus. But do it in a way that reflects Christ's unconditional love for us. God, thank you that you love us. And out of that love, we're able to love others. And we're so sorry for the ways that we have failed to love others like you have loved us. Forgive us and teach us. Move us by your spirit into loving people, into speaking the truth in people's lives, even if it's difficult. Speaking the truth doesn't mean always being nice. It means pointing people to you. And help us to speak that same truth to even our own selves. And we not be judgmental towards others, but in grace and in empathy, point people to beauty your life, your death, your resurrection. We thank you. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Let's continue in worship.